I'm Dr. Jillian Lucas Baker. I'm a professor, a wife, and a mom, and I've struggled with fertility issues. I'm Sonora Joy Allwood, a holistic nurse, health coach, entrepreneur, wife, and mom. And I've also struggled with fertility issues. Welcome to A Tribe Called Fertility. And hello, everyone. Welcome, listeners, to a very special episode of A Tribe Called Fertility. We are very, very excited to uh, share with you today that as part of season two, Uh, which Sonora and I have been telling you, we have many, many surprises for season two. We are so thrilled and blessed today uh, to have uh, Miss Stacy Stewart uh, on the show. Uh, Stacy Stewart is the president and CEO of March of Dimes. And this is actually going to be a two-part series, which makes it even more special. Um, so Ms. Stewart, you know, was just so gracious to, you know, let us have her for a little longer than, you know, our typical shows so that we could get really great two solid, you know, episodes um, about uh, Black maternal health disparities and her wisdom and her work and her action and all the things that she's been doing. Um, So before we uh, get into uh, part one, so part one of our series is going to focus on uh, policy and legislation for Black maternal health. And this will actually be the first time we've specifically talked about policy and legislation on a tribe called fertility. Uh, So this is the first time uh, for us as well. Um, And we are so excited to, again, have the phenomenal, phenomenal trailblazer, uh, Miss Stacy Stewart. And so I want to introduce her, you know, to the A Tribe Called Fertility world and our listeners. So Stacy Stewart has served as president and CEO of March of Dimes since January 1st, 2017. Stewart leads the nation's largest nonprofit working for the health of all moms and babies. And in this role, she is responsible for all aspects of the organization's strategy, vision, and operations. As president and CEO, Stacy has focused closely on efforts to close the health equity gaps, such as advocating for implicit bias training for healthcare professionals, and support legislation that works to promote health equity for all moms and babies. Stewart joined March of Dimes from United Way Worldwide, where she held several positions, most recently serving as US President of United Way, the nation's largest nonprofit organization. There, she provided strategic direction for more than 1,000 local United Ways. Stewart was also responsible for United Ways um, national efforts in education, financial stability, and health, as well as guiding efforts to expand the organization's reach and grow revenue. Stewart spearheaded the transformation of United Way from a pass-through fundraiser to a leading organization for local community impact. 
And prior to becoming US president, Stewart served as executive vice president, community impact leadership and learning, where she developed global partnerships to advance community impact in more than 40 countries. A business veteran, Stewart also has held a number of senior roles, including chief diversity officer and senior vice president for the Office of Community and Charitable Giving at Fannie Mae, as well as president and chief executive for the Fannie Mae Foundation. Additionally, Stewart has an extensive background in finance and investment banking, having served as vice president for prior McClendon Council Company and as a senior associate for Merrill Lynch, specializing in financings for state and local governments. Stewart has a master's of business administration and finance from the University of Michigan and a bachelor of arts in economics from Georgetown University. She also holds honorary degrees from Trinity University, Morgan State University, Texas Southern University, Lincoln University, and Alabama A&M University. And she currently serves on several boards nationally and in the Washington DC metropolitan area. Stewart is married to Jarvis C. Stewart, chairman and managing partner of I plus R Media LLC, a strategic communications firm based in Washington, DC. And the Stewarts have two children, Madeline and Savannah. Uh, so without further ado, uh, we welcome Ms. Stewart to A Tribe Called Fertility. Yes. Yay. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Oh, <laughs> uh, we, it's, it's our honor. Yes. Our honor. Uh, when yeah. we, you know, received an email, you know, from your amazing, uh, your amazing staff. I mean, by the way, you have an, just a wonderful. I do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my I gosh. Really. Brilliant, beautiful uh, <laughs> women on your team. Mm -hmm. um, which is a benefit for anyone really. Um, and when they reached out to us and, you know, and said that this would be an opportunity for us to talk to you, uh, we were flabbergasted. <laughs> yeah. We, were. we really were. To say the least. Well, Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm really uh, honored to be here. And thank you for doing what you all do, which is really amazing. And really getting some very important information out to a lot of women and, and families that really need it for sure. So I thought before we get into kind of our official questions and also just to give the listeners a little bit of knowledge um, about March of Dimes and all the work and what March of Dimes really does. Um, but for 80 years, uh, March of Dimes has helped millions of babies survive and thrive. Uh, prematurity is the number one killer of babies in the United States. And the March of Dimes is working to change that and help more moms have full-term pregnancies and babies. Uh, from polio to prematurity, uh, March of Dimes has focused on researching the problems that threaten our children and finding ways to uh, prevent them. So I, you know, I know for you know me and Sonora, you know, personally, you know, our experiences with, you know, trying to get pregnant and then carrying our children and then our concerns about carrying them full-term and whether we would survive and come home and us having, you know, friends and loved ones who didn't make it um, post-pregnancy and uh, 
have loved ones raising children alone. Um, this is, you know, very near and uh, dear to us. And so that for us, it's one of the reasons of why um, we, you know, started the show. Um, but one kind of theme that comes up over and over again, and I think people still have a really hard time kind of understanding and grappling um, and to have you kind of shed your expertise on this, can you talk to our listeners about why you think the United States remains among the most dangerous developed nation for childbirth? Yeah, so it's a it's a really good question, and I, and I wish there were a very simple answer to it. Um, and thank you for that lead into the March of Dimes, because a lot of people uh, know our name, and 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 some people may not know all the work that we do. Uh, I'll just add a quick little note to that before I answer the question, which is that um, just to show you the, the 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 breadth of our impact, um, you know how many I know you all know this, but I wonder how many of your listeners know um, that during pregnancy, every every mother is every pregnant woman is expected and, and encouraged to take folic acid in addition to prenatal vitamins generally, but folic acid is important. Well, if you know that, then you have to thank the March of Dimes for that because it was uh-huh. March of Dimes that really. So, so when we think about the work of the March of Dimes, um, it goes beyond even just premature birth and, and maternal mortality, morbidity. Really, we think of ourselves as in, ensuring that every single baby is healthy and that all of us are healthy. The fact that we are living here and we don't suffer from polio is another testament to the work of the March of Dimes over time. Um, but after polio, we did move to um, issues around healthy moms, strong babies. Some of the big indicators we're working hard on are around premature birth and infant mortality, as well as maternal mortality and morbidity, because it's really important to understand that if we want to have healthier, healthier babies, we have to start with having healthier women, and we have to start with having healthier women who are pregnant. So that is really the, the work, that the two go together, a healthy woman, a healthy mom, a healthy baby are all connected. Um, why are we, why are we though failing so many, um, so many women and so many moms and babies, um, is really the question, especially as compared to other wealthy nations and highly developed nations, where, as you mentioned, Dr. Baker, we are considered the most dangerous developed nation in the world in which to give birth. Um, it really starts with, um, a lack of basic infrastructure and support that is available um, for any American to maintain their health. Um, And when it affects women and women who become pregnant, we start to see that showing up in terms of our outcomes within pregnancy, before, during pregnancy, during pregnancy and after pregnancy. And it shows up with our babies as well, right? So the fact that we don't have universal healthcare as compared to other highly developed nations is is one big issue. Another big issue is even if we do, if, even if women have coverage, we did research um, in 2018 and we updated it in 2020 that shows um, that 54% of all counties in this country are considered a maternity care desert or have very limited access to care. Oh a maternity care desert is a county that doesn't have a- access to any obstetric services, no hospital that offers obstetric services, no birthing center, no OBGYN no certified nurse midwife. 54% of all counties in the country are considered full-on maternity care deserts or have very limited access, maybe have one of those things that I mentioned, right? So 
And about four fifths of them are in rural areas, but about one fifth of them are in urban areas. So it's not just even um, in, you know, very sparsely populated right. areas. We're talking about in urban areas as well, where we've got some challenges with women having access, uh, easy access in to, to the care that they need. Um, and then I think the other issue that we have to grapple with is the fact that we in this country have uh, really uh, unacceptable levels of poor outcomes, maternal health and infant health outcomes for women and babies of color, especially black women and black babies, um, where black women in this country are three to four times more likely to die as a result of pregnancy and childbirth complications. We still have black babies um, that are twice as likely to die before their first birthday as compared to white babies. And this is true, obviously, of black moms and babies, but it's also shows up with indigenous women and their babies. It shows up with yes. Hispanic women and their babies. So it's really important to, to call that out. Um, but that, that goes to a, a deeper uh, issue in this country that really affects every system in which we live in this country, which is the effect of systemic and institutionalized racism, right? And so how women of color and families of color uh, navigate this society in this in this country, where we, um, where policies and the way society is structured, uh, inhibits our ability to live um, in the healthiest way, to have um, you know full access to opportunities to to focus on our wellness. You know that really impacts not just us here now as adult women, but it impacts every future generation. And in fact, we just had um, a, a member of our board who's a member of, a, of uh, one of our tribal communities who talked about the, um, the generational impact of trauma going back generations and how that still shows us in, in things today. So we, there's really no other way to explain the disparities we see. We certainly are not don't feel that the country is serving any woman or baby as well as we should, white, black, brown, it doesn't matter. But it's especially tragic when we see that there are these disparities, that some people have access to greater care and opportunities to preserve their health and wellness more than others do. And that just simply isn't acceptable. But that does explain a lot of why we have the challenges that we face. And it's also one of the biggest areas of focus for the March of Dimes is looking at maternal and, and infant health and wellness overall for everybody and especially for those of color where we're facing the most disproportionate burden of the problem. Yes, wow. Uh, it's, it's, it's just so much and it's just, it's overwhelming. You and know, it's, and it's complex. Just, it's complex and complex. it's, you know, and uh, I know for me as, especially as a registered nurse, um, it's just, I marvel at this, you know, in terms of the state of things, you know? Uh, so could you share with our listeners and an example of new legislation and policies that March of Giants has been working on in the past year to address the maternal health crisis in the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're, we're sort of fortunate that, um, you know, a lot of folks in this administration, and even I would say in the previous administration where we started to see some movement around this issue of maternal health, and it's, it, it certainly has accelerated. And in Congress, there's been amazing leadership on this issue about dealing with the health inequity that we see in maternal and infant health. Um, we've been working as many other partners have with um, the Black Maternal Health Caucus, 
led by Representative Lauren Underwood and Representative Alma Adams, and then Senator Cory Booker, a big champion in the Senate, um, to really uh, push sort of, I would say, a, a whole agenda um, to really revamp maternal and infant health in this country. Um, it is, uh, there's a package uh, of legislation, uh, package of bills, about a dozen or so, that have already been introduced in Congress. It's called the Momnibus. It's not one bill, but it's about a dozen or so to address a wide range of issues um, from data collection um, to really reshaping the perinatal workforce. You know, how do we make sure that more doulas and midwives are included in the birthing process yes. and in the pregnancy and postpartum process as well? Um, a, a lot of issues, a lot of bills to address the social determinants of health because frankly, our health is not really determined by what happens in the clinics, in the clinic or in the clinician's office. It really is determined by how we live. And so if we don't really address some of the systems yes. around fair housing and environmental justice and other kinds of things, we really will have a harder time improving health and wellness outcomes for everyone, including um, black and brown people. Um, so Momnibus is a huge package of legislation that um, has been introduced and there are bills that are being worked on as we speak. The other thing I'm just really pleased about is um, some action that the Department of Health and Human Services took and just announced in literally in the past week where another $350 million of funding is being allocated to really address the maternal and infant health crisis in this country, looking at funding of um, home visiting programs and doula oh, care. Gosh, so that's yes. a really great thing that this administration- That's awesome. Has. Yeah, it's really great. Well, especially for black women and women of color, because we know that the data shows that, um, not that, and we have some very big doula friends and colleagues who are also gonna be on the show because we also want to give uh, kind of more knowledge about the importance of doulas and the work that they do. But, you know, as a, you know, public health researcher, just knowing that um, Black women having doulas, having a doula is going to lend to better birth outcomes um, for the baby. So, and better yeah. support for the mother. Yes. And, 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 uh, and better outcomes. I mean, research shows that, oh, what a cute kiss. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a kid that shows uh, up because there's four of them between us. That's, 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 yes. awesome. that's, that's what this is all about, right? This is yes, what yes that's it. That's right. That's why we do it. That's right. Well, I mean, going back to the question around how do we compare and why are our outcomes so much worse than other developed countries? You look at other countries and you can see that they're, um, they're how they include midwives yes. um, in the care of women, how they include um, visiting programs and, uh, and in, uh, as follow-up to the pregnancy or even before the pregnancy. Those are the kinds of policies and those are the kinds of uh, programs that actually help improve outcomes or, and simply have not incorporated that right. into the way we care for women before, during, and after pregnancy. So it's, it's showing up in terms of why we see some of the outcomes that we see. The last thing I'll just say is that the Build Back Better Act budget reconciliation update um, and the House and Energy Commerce Committee, um, uh, House Energy and Commerce Committee's um, act really has been looking at funding up to a trillion dollars to support the Momnibus. And so we're very much advocating wow. for getting that through the process so that we can really substantially fund. When you look at what it means to be um, anti-racist, if you look at the work of Dr. Ibram Kendi, what he talks about is the fact that at, at, the, at the end of the day, one of the things that we have to address is policy change. 
And so one of the most substantial things that we have to do if we're going to, going to address improving outcomes is if we have to create a policy environment that supports women being healthier and babies being healthier. And that starts with what happens at the federal level. It also includes what happens at the state level. There are many, many pieces of state legislation. For example, California has its own version of Momnibus. And we're very strongly in favor of not just the federal government taking action, but there are a lot of resources around health that are managed at the state level. So it's really important that all of us become engaged in health policy in our states, as well as with our congressional members, and really demand that they take action. All of those policymakers take action in ways that support us. That's why at the March of we have such a huge policy and advocacy operation, both at the state, federal and state level. We actually encourage people to go to our website at marchofdimes.org and sign up to be an advocate so that when you are prompted to, you can shoot a letter to your state legislator or your congressional member and let them know how much you care about these issues. These things happen because we demand more and we demand better. And as women, we have to demand, and especially women of color, we must ask for and demand more to address the issues that we're facing, especially when we're looking at disproportionate impact facing women that look like us and, and others in our community. Yes, I, I love that messaging because we are our number one advocate, you know, and- we say that all the time. Right? You know, and it's, you have to demand, you have to demand the right care for yourself, but more importantly, you have to be empowered with the knowledge too, you know, and so I love the work that you all are doing um, because it's just, it's amazing. And it's, this is going to increase access, you know, um, for, for folks, uh, increase knowledge, you know, so that way we can be empowered to save ourselves. You know, uh, I know when I was giving birth and I wasn't having a good uh, prenatal experience with my provider, um, even as a nurse, I knew, I, I knew that it wasn't right, but I still weathered it. Going. I still went through it. I still kept, but then I said, you know what? No, this isn't right. So I'm going to find a provider who's going to give me the care and make sure that me and baby get here safely, you know? And so um, all of this is a part of it. And I just, I'm just so grateful. Yeah. Well, and, mm -hmm. you know, I think um, part of how we talked about, like, how our health and wellness is primarily determined by how we live. But then we do have to address the systemic racism that exists in our healthcare system. Yes. And part of what too many women of color experience um, is not feeling heard and respected and listened to when they're in the presence of a healthcare provider, um, a doctor, a nurse, um, or even when they enter the doctor's office and the, or the clinic's office and they're confronted with a front desk receptionist who's not treating them in a yes. way that feels respectful, right? That, and, that's a, yes, that happens, Jill. that's so common. We talk about that all, but that's so commonplace. Right. It starts at the front, de the, the disrespect. Right, that's starts right. Starts there. Day one, minute Day one. one. As, soon as, you, as soon as you open the door. Or yes. And, and that just, we can't normalize that, right? Like everyone, every woman who is seeking care has a right to the highest quality uh, healthcare that should be available to any, any woman irrespective of her race, ethnicity, language she speaks, the country from which she originates, like none of that should matter. Um, and so one of the things that we've been doing at the March of Dimes is um, we've introduced an implicit bias training program 
we've now educated and trained over 15,000 healthcare professionals on being able to acknowledge and recognize that implicit bias exists, that each one of us has our own implicit biases or bias against something, but to the extent that that, that implicit bias for anyone that is employed to provide healthcare to, or, or to uh, care for another individual with respect to their health, to the extent that any implicit bias stands in the way of the highest quality healthcare being delivered, we have to eliminate that altogether. And this implicit bias training isn't intended to, in one fell swoop, help deal with your bias. It's a, you know, that's a process that someone has to go through. But what we do wanna do is start, start people on that journey of recognizing if they do have implicit bias, what it is, and what are the tools and things they can do to acknowledge and address it so that it doesn't become an issue with respect to the healthcare being provided to any woman, especially black and brown women. And that's another thing that we've been doing as well that I'm really proud of. Please make sure to follow A Tribe Called Fertility on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Feel free to DM us with your questions and thoughts or to share your fertility story with us. For more information on your superb and beautiful podcast hosts, visit www.atribecallfertility.com. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. It really helps the show and we welcome all of your feedback.